to the University of Calgary's DCNS podcast series, bringing the clinical neurosciences to primary care. My name is Tyson Brust, a senior neurology resident at the University of Calgary and your host for today's podcast. For show notes, disclosures, and references, please visit our website at www.dcnspodcast.com. In the last podcast, we discussed tension type headache. Today, we are going to discuss cluster headache, which is a rare variety of primary headache, having a population frequency of about 0.1%. And to give you a clinical anchor, this is about as common as multiple sclerosis is in Western Europe. Because the pain of cluster headache is one of the most severe that humans experience, the treatment of cluster headache often becomes almost an emergency as patients seek relief. To discuss cluster headache diagnosis and treatment, we have Dr. Werner Becker back with us again today. So thanks for being here, Dr. Becker. Thank you, Tyson. I'm sure it'll be a pleasure. Dr. Becker is a professor of neurology at the University of Calgary and a fellow of the American Headache Society. He has also recently written a clinical review entitled Cluster Headache, Conventional Pharmacological Management in the Journal Headache. Uh, Our discussion today will be largely based on this article. The full reference can be found at www.dcnspodcast.com. So as has been our custom, let's begin with a case. A 42-year-old man presents to your office due to daily severe headache attacks for the past two weeks. The headaches are unilateral and last about an hour, reaching 10 out of 10 intensity within a few minutes. He has never experienced such pain before, even though he has previously passed several large renal stones. Between attacks, he is asymptomatic. During attacks, he tends to move continuously, pacing around his home or office. The pain is retroorbital with an intense boring quality. On the same side during attacks, he reports that his eye turns red and waters, and his eyelid droops. He also has associated photophobia on the affected side only. He has been having two or three attacks per day for the past two weeks. He recalls that about six months ago, he had a similar period of daily headache attacks lasting about six weeks. His screening neurological exam and neck exam are unremarkable. Dr. Becker, how would you go about diagnosing this patient? Tyson, you've described a pretty pretty typical case of uh, episodic cluster headache. Uh, he has the typical uh, one-sided head pain. It's very severe. He has autonomic symptoms in the uh, ipsilateral eye, and he is agitated during the attacks. This is a diagnosis that you can uh, really make on clinical grounds, although we do have to keep in mind that there are so-called cluster mimics. In other words, intracranial lesions that can uh, mimic cluster headache, often to a surprising degree. These patients, therefore, do require some investigation, and it's currently recommended that most patients with cluster headaches, if not all, have an MRI scan done uh, when they first present. Uh, What is found most commonly when something is found is Uh, pituitary adenoma, although other lesions in the pituitary area, including things like uh, aneurysms, can also uh, mimic cluster headache. Having said that, though, the great majority of cases uh, that present as cluster headache uh, have normal investigations, and this is a primary headache syndrome. Uh, In series, in in patient series, uh, perhaps uh, 5% of patients will show something abnormal on an MRI scan upon presentation. 
At this point, uh, Dr. Becker, could you uh, go over the diagnostic criteria for uh, cluster headaches for our listeners? The diagnostic criteria are uh, really quite specific and very helpful. I've already mentioned that uh, patients uh, do need to have uh, lateralized headaches. They're unilateral and they're always on the same side with very rare exceptions. The pain is usually centered around the orbit or supraorbital or temporal region. And very importantly, uh, cluster headache attacks are short. Uh, they're by definition less than three hours, which is very important in distinguishing them from migraine because migraine by definition untreated lasts more than four hours. Uh, cluster attacks are much shorter often and many patients will have attacks lasting anywhere from uh, 15 to 45 minutes. Again, the lower uh, duration limit is also important. If patients have attacks that are shorter than 15 minutes, you have to consider other trigeminal autonomic cephalalgias, that is, other primary headache types that include uh, paroxysmal hemicrania and uh, other very rare syndromes like, like sunk. It's usually uh, pretty well known by people that uh, cluster headaches will usually have autonomic symptoms uh, involving the eye and the side of the headache, although this may be nothing more than uh, a lot of tearing and uh, nasal stuffiness on that side during the attacks. However, autonomic symptoms are not mandatory for the diagnosis, and in fact, if patients have a sense of restlessness or agitation during the attacks, then uh, that qualifies a patient for the uh, cluster headache associated symptoms, and they don't necessarily have to have autonomic symptoms for you to make the diagnosis. Now, that is important, however, because uh, whereas migraine patients like to uh, lie down and be still and avoid movement because movement exacerbates their head pain, uh, cluster patients do the opposite and tend not to lie down rather to remain active and, and restless. One thing uh, that uh, is also important to appreciate is that these patients may have uh, several or even three or four attacks a day. So a careful history is essential. The patient may come and tell you they have attacks most of the day, or I should say have headache most of the day, but if you dissect out that these are three or four discrete attacks, each one lasting less than three hours, then you're in the cluster headache uh, diagnostic arena as opposed to uh, the usual chronic daily headache syndromes which we've discussed in past uh, podcasts. Uh, also very helpful in the diagnosis is the history of uh, prior episodes, and our patient did have one prior episode of cluster headache attacks about six months ago. He would therefore qualify for a diagnosis of episodic cluster headache, uh, but be aware that some patients uh, that we diagnose as chronic cluster headache uh, don't have these remissions, but basically have their cluster attacks on a daily or near daily basis uh, all year round. Uh, clinically, the big uh, differential diagnosis for cluster headache is migraine because migraine often will uh, present with unilateral headaches as well. And this is where the, uh, the headache duration uh, becomes important. Um, don't, don't diagnose migraine in, in an adult if the attacks are lasting 45 minutes to an hour. At that point, think seriously whether the patient may have cluster headache instead of migraine. Thanks for that uh, summary, Dr. Becker. Let's go back to our patient for a moment. Let's say that as you are finishing the physical exam, the patient tells you an attack is starting. He becomes extremely distressed and starts racking back and forth on the examining table, complaining of extreme 10 out of 10 left-sided retroorbital pain. You notice conjunctival injection and lacrimation of the left eye and a partial leftosis. How would you approach the acute management of this patient, Dr. Becker? <laughs> Well, first of all, you'd be having an unusual opportunity to actually witness a cluster headache attack, so that might help you with the diagnosis, if you can confirm the presence of autonomic symptoms in the eye. 
In terms of acute therapy for cluster headache, uh, most things that uh, we use for treating individual headache attacks uh, in cluster are things you could also use in your office if you happen to have them available. Uh, in general, the best acute therapy for cluster headache attacks is subcutaneous sumatriptan, 6 milligrams. Uh, this will work quickly and the uh, majority of patients are, are pain-free within 15 minutes. Second best uh, in terms of pharmacological therapies is intranasal zolmatriptan, 5 milligrams, which works a little more slowly, but again, many patients are headache-free within 20 minutes. An alternative is, an alternative is oxygen, 100%, uh, uh, delivered by a non-rebreathing mask at 12 liters per minute. But in some patients, it seems to uh, delay the attack rather than actually aborting them. And I think it's fair to say that most patients find the pharmacological treatment of acute attacks more satisfactory. And also generally, uh, as these treatments are more portable, uh, patients find them more convenient. However, however, 100% uh, oxygen is certainly a, a good option for treating cluster headache attacks, and there's randomized controlled trial evidence that it is effective as compared to inhaling uh, simply air. Okay, getting back to our patient in the office who's in agony and assuming you have none of the above available, uh, another option is to do a, an occipital nerve block with uh, local anesthetic, for example, 2% lidocaine. Uh, this uh, does have some utility in cluster headache as well, and uh, might potentially stop his attack. We can come back to occipital nerve blocks for cluster headache uh, later when we discuss uh, transitional therapy. Well, that's a good segue, Dr. Becker. Let's talk about how would you transition patients like this into uh, preventative therapies. Our patient is having several attacks a day, so this is obviously quite a burden for, uh, for a patient. Um, transitional medications uh, are medications we use to, uh, to add to the acute medications for individual attacks to help control the patient's attacks quickly uh, while other prophylactic medications are, are going to take effect. Uh, not all patients require uh, transitional therapy because uh, many, of the, uh, many patients have quite a rapid response to uh, uh, the first-line prophylactic drug, verapamil and may be showing improvement within uh, a week or 10 days. If they're having one or two uh, attacks a day, then uh, they can often be controlled quite satisfactorily with, uh, for example, sumatriptan subcutaneously, six milligrams, and uh, those patients don't need transitional therapy. But uh, we don't like to give uh, subcutaneous sumatriptan too frequently, and if patients are having three or four attacks a day, that, that becomes a problem. In that instance, uh, perhaps the easiest transitional therapy to use is, is, uh, is prednisone or another steroid. Starting off with quite a high dose, perhaps 70, 70 milligrams a day for uh, three or four days, and then tapering by five milligrams a day until the patient comes off. Uh, this ends up being about a 15-day course, which shouldn't cause a lot of complications for the patient. Uh, but uh, often will relieve the cluster headaches uh, promptly within a day. Another transitional therapy which can be used is an occipital nerve block with uh, local anesthetic and steroids. Uh, for example, 2% lidocaine uh, mixed with uh, 80 milligrams of dipomedrol. Uh, this will also often stop a cluster, uh, although it's unclear how much of that is due to the systemic steroid absorption and how much is due to local effects in the area of the occipital nerve. 
This block is done, of course, on the headache side. Uh, the real uh, longer-term solution, though, is to uh, at the same time start a prophylactic drug, and the first-line uh, drug for cluster headache prophylaxis is verapamil, uh, starting off, uh, for example, at 80 milligrams three times a day, and then increasing the dose fairly quickly by 80 milligrams daily, uh, perhaps every week, uh, until uh, the headaches stop or uh, you've reached a dose that is no longer tolerated. Interestingly, cluster headache patients uh, do sometimes require uh, quite high doses of verapamil to stop their headaches, uh, well above the 480 milligram uh, total daily dose, which is usually considered the upper limit of normal for verapamil use. Um, if one is going to uh, doses approaching 480 milligrams, uh, it is recommended to do uh, an, elect an electrocardiogram on a regular basis as the dose is titrated upwards to ensure that the patient is not developing uh, a prolonged PR interval or other evidence of an arrhythmia. Of an arrhythmia. Sometimes uh, very high doses are used, even over 900 milligrams a day of verapamil, if these are tolerated, but this is something which perhaps uh, uh, should have a specialist involved in the patient's care. The main other prophylactic drug for cluster headache is lithium, uh, starting at uh, 300 milligrams twice a day and building upwards. Uh, most patients require uh, 1,200 milligrams a day uh, for effect. Uh, this drug is generally well tolerated by cluster headache patients, and uh, you, you don't need to get uh, serum levels that are perhaps as high as are used for some other conditions. Um, it's uh, a medication which physicians are often reluctant to use, but uh, really, for, for cluster, it can be very helpful. Uh, there are a number of other prophylactic medications which are used in cluster, and these include uh, divalproic sodium and topiramate, but uh, these medications have uh, much less evidence for efficacy and really are, uh, are, not, are not all that effective, although they may help the individual patient. I think an important thing is that cluster headache is uncommon. Uh, the therapy is primarily pharmacological, uh, but it can be difficult, and it's probably uh, wise to involve a specialist early in the patient's care. Thank you, Dr. Becker. To conclude today's podcast, are there any other concluding remarks that you'd like to make for our, for our listeners? I think from a primary care point of view, the main thing about cluster headache is to uh, consider the diagnosis, as it is uncommon. and. Uh, a primary care physician may not see a cluster patient for uh, even uh, several years. It's a diagnosis which uh, is quite disabling for some people, um, and the condition is generally treatable, so therefore it is important to make the diagnosis and not uh, start the patient on uh, a long round of, uh, of ineffective uh, migraine treatments because things like beta blockers will not be helpful in this condition. Many cluster patients do experience quite a long delay in diagnosis, and that really shouldn't be the case for a condition that, although uncommon, uh, presents in such a sort of classical, uh, typical manner. A second point I'd like to make is that uh, these patients, uh, although this condition is treatable, um, can be very refractory to therapy. And in fact, uh, some cluster patients uh, go on and spe under specialist care to have uh, uh, neuromodulation procedures done with uh, occipital nerve stimulators implanted, or even um, hypothalamic uh, deep brain stimulators. So it is important to get a specialist involved and also uh, to follow the patient and uh, make sure that uh, the patient does get the therapy that uh, he or she needs. 
on a final note, uh, it's important to know too that cluster headache does occur in females. It's more common in males, but uh, women do get this, so uh, consider this diagnosis in a, in a female who presents with uh, cluster headache-like symptoms. Thank you. That concludes today's podcast on cluster headaches and our series on the primary headache disorders. So thank you very much for participating in this series of podcasts, Dr. Becker. It was a pleasure to have you on our show. You're, you're very welcome. Thank you all for listening. <laughs>